my grown-up Christmas list. Would we bow our hearts in prayer as we go to the Lord in prayer as we start this sermon series, my grown-up Christmas list. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have together in your house. Thank you for the souls that you've touched today, people that were encouraged. Thank you for your presence that we sense here. Thank you for our wonderful family that we've been able to gather together in your name. Lord, help me to preach your word with power and truth today. Let my words go forth in boldness, with boldness and power. Let it penetrate the hearts of those that hear it. Father, we thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we pray that your word will go forth in power, that our hearts will be changed, and that when we leave here, we'll say to ourselves and to one another, it's been good that we've been in the house of the Lord. And everyone shouted a great big amen. My grown-up Christmas list. There is something about Christmas that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. You know, most of us would call, well, that's the Christmas spirit. My friends, I don't know if there is a Christmas spirit. I think it's maybe all the Christmas movies and Christmas music that we watch and listen to. I'm convinced that although there are some awesome Christmas movies to watch this time of the year. And they're pretty predictable, aren't they? Always predictable, but they're still good to watch. All the Christmas movies and all the Christmas music that we listen to, it does create within us that warm and fuzzy feeling. And I think I'm convinced that sometimes the Christmas movies and music we listen to, I think sometimes it creates a world that maybe it doesn't exist. I think sometimes Christmas is almost like a way of escape. We escape the trouble and the mess, the heartache. It's a way of us living in a world that sometimes doesn't exist. We know that life is hard. Life is very difficult. So Christmas gives us that way of escape, don't it? Speaking of Christmas music, I said a few moments ago, I recently listened to this song that they just played, my grown-up Christmas list. Now, I must confess, I have heard this song for years, and I've actually listened to it going down the road in my car, and I've listened to it over and over. But the other day when I was listening to it, I really paid attention to the words of the song. I think sometimes we can become so familiar with a song that we forget the powerful words that's within the song. So as I was listening to this song, I really paid attention to how powerful the song really is. My grown-up Christmas list. I want you to pay attention to the first verse of the song. It says, do you remember me? I sat up on your knee. I wrote to you childhood fantasies. Well, I'm all grown up now, and I need some help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world 
in need. I love the course. The course goes like this. No more lives torn apart. That wars would never start and time would heal our hearts. And everyone would have a friend. And right would always win. And love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. I mean, I think that the song illustrates an adult that's kind of reminiscing from years ago when they were a child. And when they were a child, they sat up on Santa's knee and they gave Santa a Christmas list. This song is conveying now that this adult, this person is an adult now. And now their list has changed because they're all grown up now. And they have a different perspective about Christmas. They have a different perspective about life. Christmas looks much different when we get older. When we were a child, Christmas had a different meaning. Christmas was about toys and gifts and chocolate and Santa Claus and, and, and playing with friends. But as we get older, our perspective changes, our outlook changes about Christmas. We become grown up. And when we grow up, Christmas changes. And I think it should change. I think that when you get older, your perspective about things should change. Now, let me talk about me because I certainly can't talk about you. But when I was a child, I remember I wanted something. I really wanted something really, really bad. Now, I'm not saying this for a sad story. I never got it. But that's okay. I'm not bitter. But I want to let you all know what it is. When I was a little boy, I, are you all ready for this? Everybody give me a drum roll. You ready? For what I, I won't tell you what I wanted. You ready? I wanted a Scooby-Doo mystery machine van. When I was a child, I loved Scooby-Doo. How many love Scooby-Doo? Come on, everybody raise your hand. I mean, these cartoons nowadays has nothing, nothing on the cartoons when I was growing up. You know, Looney Tunes and Mighty Mouse and, you know, all those. They were just great cartoons, you know, and so... And so I used to get up, you know, before school, and I'd go to the TV, and the first thing that I would watch was Scooby-Doo. And I'd just be fascinated. I love Scooby-Doo. And I love that mystery, that little light teal mystery Scooby-Doo van. And I really wanted it, and I never got it. I also wanted, I, get, I did get this. I remember as a child on my Christmas list, I, had, I asked my parents for a microphone because I wanted to preach. You know, I know I was a nerd and I was odd, but I wanted to preach. And so I remember one Christmas, my parents got me this microphone and you could take your foot and you could hit the first little uh, uh, button and lights would shine up in your face. And I thought I was a rock star. You know, I was preaching to the thousands and only had one little cousin in the room. But man, I was preaching hard because I had that microphone. I made her... <laughs> I made her get saved every Sunday, you know. And then I would take a few pennies. I get some few pennies, and I go to the kitchen and get a Tupperware and put pennies in it, and I make her shake it because that was the only music we had was a shaking penny Tupperware bowl. And she would shake it, and I'd preach, and I would sing. I did it all. And then I'd make her come up front. She's my little cousin. I pray for her, and I tell her, you got to fall on the floor. And I couldn't find no oil, so I used shampoo on her head. But whatever we needed, we got the job done. 
And then after church, I'd stand at the door and I'd shake everybody's hand as they were going out of my church. And then we went to the kitchen to have a fellowship dinner. Well, I didn't know how to cook, so you know what I did? I, got, I loved cheese as a child. I loved cheese, and I loved hot sauce. I love hot sauce. So you know what I did? I got some slices of cheese out and loaded it down with hot sauce and gave it to my cousin and said, this is the fellowship dinner, and you need to eat it. She doesn't attend church now. I probably paralyzed her. When she... <laughs> but when I was a child, I loved it. I loved that microphone. I loved it. When I got a little older, when I was about 13 years old, I asked for a word processor. That was probably way before we got really fancy with the Mac computers. I got a word processor, and I loved it. But my friends, as I have gotten older, of course, my Christmas list has changed. I no longer want a mystery Scooby-Doo machine van. I don't really need a little microphone or a word processor anymore. I have a Mac computer. Can somebody say amen? See, your list should change when you get older. You know why your list should change when you get older? Because growth creates a different appetite. Growth changes your perspective. I remember what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. This is what the words of the Apostle Paul said. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child and spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I want you to look at that verse for a few moments. I think that in the church world, and I'm not necessarily talking to you because you're perfect in my eyes. I love you. Come on, somebody. We're on the same team here. I'm talking to the church down the street. I think sometimes we grow up physically, but we don't grow up mentally. I think that sometimes we grow up physically, but we're still wrestling with the same problems over and over and over. We haven't grown mentally. We haven't grown spiritually. And if you're going to grow spiritually, and even if you're going to grow mentally and emotionally, that has to be intentional on your part. You see, you don't make a decision to grow physically. You grow physically whether you like it or not. You're getting older. But there's one thing that you do have a part to play, and that is your spiritual life and your mental health and your emotional health. And you have the capacity to stay the same or you have the capacity to grow. It's up to you. And there are some people who are growing physically, and they're older physically, and they've been in the church a long time, but they have not progressed spiritually, and they have not progressed emotionally, and they have not progressed mentally. We are still acting like children in some ways. Our Christmas list is still childish. We still look at things from a different perspective. Some of us still think that things make us happy. That's childish. Some of us still think that more toys will bring more joy and more peace in our life. Some of us still think, from, think that if we run from here and to there and change locations and do this and do that, it will bring more contentment to us. But that's not necessarily true. Some of us still think that we don't need anybody in life and that we can do it all by ourselves. We don't need anybody. We don't need to go to a small group. We don't need to get involved. We don't need to get connected. And that's not a grown-up Christmas attitude. You see, 
I believe it's possible that we can grow physically and not grow spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Some of us are older, but our Christmas list is still childish. I'm not saying that's everybody. I'm saying it could be the possibility that we can grow in age but never grow spiritually, and so therefore our Christmas list is really childish. And I know that you know this, but let me remind you this morning that Christmas, Christmas presents will not solve the world's problems. A new house will never bring you peace. A new car will never bring you inner joy. It will never bring you inner joy. And so we got to change our perspective. What is Christmas really about? What is Christmas really about? How should I prioritize my time around Christmas? You see, I want, for the next four weeks, I want to share four things on my Christmas list that I want you to know. If there are four things I really want you to know at Christmas, And during this holiday season, there are four things I really want you to get. And so as you come next week and the week after and the week after, when I'm done with this sermon series, you're going to have four things in your pocket that you can remember and apply to your life that's important in Christmas and important to your life. And the very first thing, I'm only going to deal with one today, the first thing I want you to remember on the Christmas list, the grown-up Christmas list is this. Number one, I want you to remember that sometimes life's greatest blessings happen unexpectedly. Now, I know that that is not a shocker to you, and I know that sounds really simplistic, and you're wondering how in the world does that apply to my life? I want you to buckle your seatbelts this morning because I want to look at the Christmas story and I want you to see how life's greatest blessings really do happen unexpectedly. And sometimes we miss life's greatest blessings because they don't come the way we think they should come. So open your heart up and open your ears up as you listen to the Christmas story this morning and as you see that life's greatest blessings sometimes happens unexpectedly. You know, 2,000 years ago, Christmas time was a very dark time. As a matter of fact, most of them didn't even know it was Christmas. Christmas 2,000 years ago was very dark and very bleak. God's people, God's people, who is the Jewish people, were living in Rome. Now get this, God's people, God's holy people, the Jewish people, the Jews, the Hebrews, the Israelites, they were living in their land, but Rome, the superpower, was controlling them. In other words, they were being oppressed. It's almost as if we live in America and another nation is oppressing us. That's what was happening 2,000 years ago. God's people were living in their land, but they were being oppressed by Rome. They were being taxed to the very highest. King Herod, who was their king, was very evil and corrupt. Many people were very exhausted. They were tired. They had been praying for a deliverer for years. God's people, who were being oppressed by Rome, they were being taxed to the fullest. They were under hardship and tyranny. They were being oppressed. All of them were praying that God would send someone to deliver them. That's what they called the Messiah. The Messiah was a deliverer. God's people were praying that God would send a deliverer and deliver them from Rome, deliver them from the oppression, and that God would give their land back so they could live in peace. So these people prayed. Let me just insert this. 
Why in the world do you think Judas betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver? How can you betray someone for 30 pieces of silver when you saw that person heal the sick, raise the dead, and feed 5,000 people? How can you do that? Because Judas was a Jew, and he was anticipating Jesus to overthrow the Romans and Jesus to set up a physical kingdom on earth and Judas wanted a part of that kingdom. Do you remember in the book of Matthew, I think around chapter 20 or so, the two sons of Zebedee, their sons came to the Lord and they were arguing who will sit on the right and who will sit on the left in the Lord's kingdom. You see, that was their mindset. Judas betrayed the Lord because Jesus wasn't doing what Judas thought Jesus should have done. Jesus, quit being nice and overthrow these Romans and give our land back. Why would Peter take out the sword and cut off the servant's ear? Because the disciples were aggressive. They were hoping that Jesus would overthrow the Romans and set up a kingdom on earth and the 12 disciples could help run his kingdom on earth. These people were oppressed. They were being taxed. Christmas 2,000 years ago was very dark, was very bleak. But Christmas came unexpectedly. Christmas came much different than what anybody could ever anticipated. Now, when we talk about the Christmas story, we usually talk about a baby in a manger, don't we? When we talk about the Christmas story, we talk about angels and wise men and Joseph and Mary, shepherds and the star. That's usually what we talk about. But we forget that the Christmas story is much bigger than all of that. In fact, the Christmas story starts in Luke chapter 1. It starts before the wise men. It starts before the shepherds. It starts before the baby in a manger. It starts in Luke chapter number 1. Now, you say, well, pastor, what is that supposed to mean? Well, if you look at Luke chapter number one, it talks about Mary, Jesus' mother's cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, and it starts in chapter one. Luke chapter one, I want you to see this. Don't turn it in your Bible, but I want you to notice a pattern that happens in the book of Luke. Listen to me very carefully, and I want you to see this. It's the Christmas story starts in Luke chapter one, around verse seven, and the story is about Zacharias and Elizabeth. And the Bible says this couple is an older couple, and they were praying to have a child. Isn't that interesting? Elizabeth is an older woman wanting a child. She was barren, but Luke chapter 2 is a young lady by the name of Mary who could have a child, but didn't have a child through natural means. So you see a parallel in the Christmas story. So in Luke chapter 1 is Elizabeth, and she's barren, and verse number 7 says that Elizabeth was barren, and she was well advanced in years. So here is an old woman, an older woman who is barren, can have children, and the Bible says her husband Zacharias, in Luke chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says an angel appeared to him and said, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will call his name John. Look at verse number 18. 
The Bible says, and Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So let me just stop here and say this. I am simply saying that Christmas came unexpectedly. And you will see a pattern here. Elizabeth is old and she is barren and she did not expect to get pregnant. Zacharias was in the temple praying and he did not expect his prayers to be heard. But an angel came and said to Zacharias, your prayer has been heard and he, Zacharias, did not expect his prayer to be heard because he said in verse 18, how shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is also well advanced in her years. So Zacharias did not expect his prayer to be answered. Elizabeth did not expect to have a baby at an older age. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26. Then the story changes to Mary. Now in the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent, to God, sent by God to a, city, uh, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And the Bible says, verse number 28, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The Bible says in verse 28, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. The Bible says, And when she saw him, she was troubled by the saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The Bible says in verse 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32 tells us, And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Since I do not know... You see, the point is, my friends, Mary was troubled by the angel. She was troubled by the greeting. An angel visited a human. The very first time in Scripture ever recorded, ever recorded that an angel said to a human, blessed are you and highly favored are you. She's the only person in the recorded history of Scripture an angel ever said to a human, you're so blessed and so highly favored from God. Can you imagine, Mary? What? manner of greeting is this? And you're telling me I'm going to have a baby and I haven't even been with a man. You see, my friends, Elizabeth was old and barren, Mary's cousin. She didn't expect to have a baby. Zacharias was old, serving in the temple. An angel came to him and said, your wife, who is old and barren, will have a child. And Zacharias said, how can this be? We're both old. The angel said, I'm going to cause you to be silent because you didn't believe me. He should have believed the Lord. See, see, Elizabeth didn't expect to get pregnant. Zacharias didn't expect his prayer to be heard. Mary didn't expect an angel to come to her and speak so highly about her. And she certainly didn't expect to have a baby without the natural process with a man. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 36, God visited Mary and Elizabeth. You know, they're cousins. They're best friends here. They go visit each other. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and now this is the sixth month for her who is called barren. You see, verse number 37, the Bible says, For with God nothing is impossible. Verse number 38, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying two women didn't expect to get pregnant. And two women didn't expect to hear from God. And two women didn't expect to have an angel visit to them. You see, the Christmas story is an unusual story of God's blessing coming in an unexpected way. Nobody expected this to happen. Nobody expected an old woman to get pregnant, and nobody expected a virgin to get pregnant, but both of them got pregnant, and God blew their expectation. Because that's the type of God we serve. We serve a God that not only shows up and intervenes in our life, but we serve a God that blows our expectations. So God showed up and blew the expectation of Elizabeth and blew the expectation of Mary. And no wonder they said, for with God, nothing is impossible. I'm telling you today, my friends, we serve a God that not only shows up and intervenes in the affairs of humanity, but he also shows up to bless his people. He also shows up to intervene in your life. He also shows up to blow your expectation. And some of you have lost your dream. You've lost your expectation. And I've come to tell you today that Christmas is about God blowing your expectations. Oh, hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, verse 59, they're getting ready to name Elizabeth's and Zachariah's child. So it was on the eighth day they came to circumcise a child. This is Elizabeth and Zachariah's child. And they would have called him by his name of his father, Zacharias. Do you see something happen unexpectedly? But his mother said, no, his name shall be called John. They didn't expect it. They thought his name should be Zacharias after his father. Something happened unexpectedly. And they said to her, there is no one of your relatives called by this name. Because you know what God was doing? God was saying, I am throwing down the traditional barriers, the racial barriers, the age barrier. I'm breaking it all down just to let you know I'm getting ready to step on the scene and blow all of your expectations. They called his name John. They didn't expect his name to be John. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, the shepherds were in the field. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, these shepherds are in the field by night, keeping watch over the flock. And the Bible says, and suddenly, suddenly, in the same country, the Bible says as they were keeping watch, that the host of angels, verse 9, came out and began to sing glory to God in the highest. And they were so afraid. They didn't expect it. Shepherds, who was the lowest 
on the lowest of the lowest of the status pole did not expect angels to come to visit them. The shepherds were minding their own business and angels showed up. Something happened unexpectedly. You see, my friends, wise men came from the east and they did not expect a baby to be born in a manger. The wise men were searching for the king of the Jews. And yet, when they found him, they found him in the house. Joseph didn't expect to be married to a woman with a problematic pregnancy. He didn't expect that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Joseph was so troubled, he went to bed and thought about these things, and an angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and take Mary as your wife. Joseph did not expect this. The people of Israel didn't expect it. The people of Israel was expecting a warrior. They were expecting a political, powerful warrior. They were expecting somebody to get on a white horse and ride into the city, overthrow the Romans, and set up their kingdom. Nobody expected a king to be born in a manger. The people of Israel were expecting a palace, not a stable. They were expecting a crown, not swaddling clothes. They were expecting servants, not wandering sheep. They were expecting a king, not a baby. They were expecting soldiers, not shepherds. They were expecting rulers and authorities, not choirs of angels. Nobody expected it to happen this way. Oh, but that's the God we serve. He always blows our expectations, and He always does things differently. And I'm so glad that I cannot keep track of God because He's a God of surprises. Just when you think you have everything figured out and you think it should happen this way, God comes on the scene and He messes it up and He does something much better than you could ever imagine. Everything about Christmas was unexpected because if there's one thing on my grown-up Christmas list that I want you to remember. I want you to remember that sometimes life's greatest blessings happen unexpectedly. And sometimes we miss it because we're expecting it to happen a certain way. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, Christ Point Church, listen to me this morning and listen to my heart. God showed up in a manger. The God of the universe Jesus Christ, the son of David, the prince of peace, was born by a virgin, incarnated by the Holy Ghost. She pushed the baby out of her birth canal and laid him in a manger while angels showed up on the hillside and began to sing happy birthday and shepherds began to look down and look at this little baby while Joseph looked over at the crib wondering what type of child this is. This was more than just a mere man, but this was God in human flesh. No wonder angels showed up. Because angels stepped the balcony of heaven to look over and to see the mystery of the ages. God came down to earth. 
You see, you're so Christianized, we forget what really happened. We're talking about the greatest mystery ever known to us, that God came down, wrapped himself in mere mortal flesh, laid in a manger. No wonder the angels came to watch it happen. Mary looked at the baby. What was going through her mind's eye? I don't know. I don't know what was going through her eye. But it didn't happen the way she thought it should. Nobody thought it would happen that way. But do you know what is so amazing about it? He was born in a manger. That was unexpected. But sometimes all you got to do is bend down and wipe the hay off of his face. And you'll see that God was born in the middle of a mess. The stable was a place for urine and doo-doo from the animals. But yet God was born in a manger. And he don't look like God, does he? No, he don't because there's a lot of hay around his body. But sometimes we don't see God's blessing in the mess of our life because we don't take time to stoop down and remove the mess off of his face to see that God is really there in the mess of our life. You're expecting God to show up one way, and God said, I've always been there. It doesn't smell good, does it? Your life doesn't smell good, does it? Your life actually stinks sometimes. We all can say it. There's parts of our life that doesn't smell good, don't look good. And we're wondering, where is God? God is saying, I am born in the middle of your mess. I come unexpectedly. I come differently. People had imagined for a Messiah to come for a long time. Oh, they had dreams of what the Messiah would look like. That he would be a strong warrior. He would be politically powerful and wealthy. Not a baby. But let me tell you something. Everything about Jesus is unexpected. I mean, you read the Gospels and everything about him is unexpected. He was a friend of sinners, not purified priest. He sought out the least, the last, and the lost, not the rich and famous. Instead of conquering those who challenged him, Jesus died on their cross. He transcended every conceivable expectation of people by defeating the grave and rising again on the third day. Jesus defiled the expectations of people. Hallelujah. The Israelites was expecting. Listen to me. Look at Pastor. The Israelites was expecting God to deliver them from their enemies. But when God came, 
He delivered them from themselves, not their enemies. Because your greatest enemy is not your spouse and not the church and not your children. The greatest enemy is you. You talk to yourself more than anybody else talks to you. You're the greatest enemy of your life. Not even the devil. God said, you want me to come and deliver you from the Romans? I'm going to come and deliver you from yourself. Because you can't help yourself. Jesus, listen, Jesus was the gift that everybody needed, but nobody expected it. If our greatest need was information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was for pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. God, He stepped off of the exalted throne, Pastor Engel, and went to a lowly manger. He stripped off the royal robe and wrapped himself in swaddling clothes. He left the worship of all the host of heaven and was laid in a manger with the stench of animals. Nobody expected Christmas to happen this way. Oh, nobody. Elizabeth didn't expect to get pregnant. Zacharias didn't expect his prayers to be answered. Mary didn't expect an angel to come to her. Shepherds didn't expect angels to show up to him on the hillside. It happened unexpectedly. A thousand times in history, a baby has become a king. But only once in history did a king become a baby. He was born in a manger. He was the greatest gift anyone needed, but nobody anticipated him. Have you ever had a Christmas where you got everything on your list? Well, this wasn't the Christmas 2,000 years ago. Nobody got anything on their list. 2,000 years ago, they wanted a military leader. They wanted a political, powerful leader. They wanted someone to deliver them from Roman oppression. That's what was on their list. But you see, my friends, that was their childish list. They didn't have a grown-up Christmas list. Because if they had a grown-up Christmas list, they would have seen what God was doing in the prophets. They would have searched the Scriptures and saw what God was trying to accomplish in the Old Testament. But all of them had their own Christmas list and they had exactly what they thought God should have done. And God blew away their list. Blew away their list. You see, in closing, 
Is that how much? Is that true? Huh? You, I missed it. Well, Lord Jesus, how much did I miss it? I'm trying to be a better pastor and preach on a time schedule, but I just get excited. How many times did I go over? Well, he just says, go on. Okay. Y'all get him in trouble if, if I go. Y'all, can I close with this? I love you, Pastor Brandon. By the way, the decorations look awesome. You and Mandy did a great job. You and Julie, all of you, thank you so much. Give it up for him. Let him know. Can I close with this? Let me close with this. There was two people that had a different Christmas list. Simeon and Anna. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, get this. There was a man in the Christmas story called Simeon. He was just, he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for the Messiah to be born, a deliverer. Verse 26. The Bible says that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27. The Bible says, so he came by the Spirit into the temple when his parents brought in the Christ child. Now, I'm going to close with this. Simeon is an older man in the temple waiting to see a child or to see what God was getting ready to do. He's in the temple and he's waiting to see what God was getting ready to do. Now, there's another person and her name is Anna. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 verse 36, the Bible says that verse number 36 that there was an Anna, she's a prophetess. And she had lived 107 years from her virginity. So she's an older woman. And the Bible says in verse number 37, the Bible says that she was a widow. And the Bible says that she didn't depart from the temple. She was fasting and she was praying day and night. The Bible says in verse number 38, and coming in, she instantly gave thanks and spoke of him and look for the redemption of Israel. So she saw the Christ child. So it's interesting to me that Simeon and Anna were both in the temple and they were both waiting for God to reveal himself to them. And what's interesting is this, is that they did not need an external confirmation to prove to them that God was getting ready to keep his word. And matter of fact, they knew they didn't need to see it. They sensed it. Simeon sensed it before he saw it. He knew by revelation that God was getting ready to do something. So he sensed it before he saw it. Anna is in the temple worshiping. Simeon is in the temple. They're both in the temple. They're both worshiping. They're both waiting. And they both sensed that God was getting ready to do something because they both had a revelation. And when you get a revelation of what God wants to do, it's going to produce a holy anticipation and as they were waiting, they saw the Christ child. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? I am saying this. What do you do while you wait? You be like Simeon and you be like Anna and you stay in the temple. You stay in God's house. You stay doing the right thing. You stay worshiping. You still read the Bible. You still witness. You still do what you need to do like you were taught to do. Because as you wait on the Lord and as you wait 
as you wait, as you wait, you will see that God will turn your waiting into working and you will see God work in unanticipated ways. They both waited and they both saw. You see, sometimes life's greatest blessings happens unexpectedly. And what are you expecting this year? What are you expecting in 2022? What are you expecting in your life? Get a notebook out. Begin to write it down. Get with your spouse. Begin to make, I challenge you, get with your spouse and begin to make goals both of you will work on. What are some things you both want to pray about? What are some things that you want to grow in? Get something out. Get a pen and paper. Begin to pray about it. Let God blow your anticipation. Let God blow your expectation. But if you don't have nothing that you're focusing on, if there's nothing you're praying about, if there's nothing you're believing about, then how do you know that God has blown your expectation when you're not even believing for anything? I'm asking you, let's believe God for the impossible. Let's believe God to do something big in your life and big in this church. Let's raise our expectation. Let's raise our level of faith and let's see God come in and show up and show out and blow the doors off of our life. I'm asking you, pray together as a couple. Get some goals. You say, well, pastor, what if I don't reach them? Well, so what? But let's shoot for something. This coming year, I'm challenging every couple in this building. If you're not married, I challenge you too. Get together and write some goals for your home, for your personal life, and as a couple and as a family. And let's start making progress together. Amen? Let's see God blow our expectation. Amen. What is on my list? Well, my Christmas list, my grown-up Christmas list is life's greatest blessings really comes sometimes unexpectedly. God wants to blow your expectation. Amen. Did you enjoy the word today?